Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend, Hope Church. Glad you are here. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We're going to be there in just a minute. But I want to start today. Um, I don't know if you have ever purchased anything. We are now in the gift-giving, gift-purchasing season. In case you haven't already been bombarded by ads and deals here and there and things coming at you, they're telling you to come spend some money at their place. But I wonder this weekend if anyone in the room or online has ever purchased anything from an infomercial. Have you ever purchased anything from an infomercial, anybody? No? Okay, we got a couple. No, no, No shame. No shame in that game. Here's the deal with infomercials. You've all seen them. I love them. That, like they're kind of cheesy and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're, there's always more, right? Like there's so much that goes into an infomercial. But honestly, if we were to be honest today, we would say, man, like the infomercials kind of seem like it's too good to be true. Like you're sitting there and you're like, man, like I'm not sure that thing for my house can be that easy. Right Or that, that gadget could be in the kitchen, it could like basically make my whole meal for me for three easy payments of $9.95. Or the best one, my favorite one, I could somehow get a six-pack of abs sitting on the couch watching television. Amen? Like somehow this thing just shreds you out and you didn't do anything but sit and watch TV. You could do that with an infomercial. So if you would just give me a little bit of grace today in the spirit of thanksgiving, I want to try to sell you on something. I want to give you a little infomercial today. So here it is. What if I told you, see I got my infomercial hat on, right? What if I told you that scientists have recently discovered Something that can dramatically alter the course of your life. You're already leaning in, right? Yes, this is Billy Mays, whoever this is, he's selling me on something. This will, scientists have shown us recently in studies, this will improve your physical health. This will get all the, all the chemicals in your brain, the, the dopamine and the serotonin, these things that, that are giving you joy and happiness. These things fire if you, if you buy into this thing. It enhances empathy and it, it reduces aggression. Scientists have shown us this works. And just like every good infomercial, but wait, there's more. This is shown to positively affect personal relationships. This improves your sleep. This relieves your stress. And here's the best part, ladies and gentlemen. It's 100% free. I don't know about you, but like if I'm watching that on YouTube or I'm watching that, I'm like, where's the link? Like, I want that. What is that, Scott? What are you selling us this weekend? Maybe you guessed it in the spirit of the holiday. Here's what I'm selling you. One word, gratitude. Okay, okay. Before you just roll your eyes like, okay, come on, Scott. just, Just hang with me for a minute. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend, right now in our country, United States of America, even in some places all over the world, we are focusing on this idea of of being grateful and being thankful. 
And the problem is, we know this with our culture, like we, we zero in on it for 24 hours and then you go Black Friday shopping and you're like, they ain't thankful for nothing. <laughs> it's wild out here. But as Christians, as Jesus followers, thankfulness should constantly be flowing from a grateful heart. But here's the deal. There's been a shift, I feel like, and maybe you felt this too. Culturally, there's been a shift and there's been a lot of talk outside the church about the power of gratitude. I'm, I, what, the, the science is real. I wasn't just making that up. Like there are, you can go online right now. I did it this week, several websites. The scientific benefits of gratitude. Not written by Christians. I'm a, I'm a big reader. I love podcasts. Like I'm constantly consuming content. And some of it's from Christians and some of it's not. And whether it's a social media influencer or a podcaster or an author that's like a philosophy guy, people are talking about gratitude. Like, I feel like they've never talked about it before. The science is true. And here's the deal. We as Jesus followers, we should be very thankful when science begins to catch up with what the word of God has been saying for ages. We should not mock that. We should be like, yeah, yep, we, we've been reading that mail for years and years and years. And now science is just now catching up to it. Gratitude does something to us. And Christians, we should be leading the way. And I, I know there's a lot of people talking about this, and you may have come here today or logged in online and thought, I wonder if we're going to talk about gratitude on Thanksgiving weekend. And we are, and I hope you are encouraged today, but Christians, we should not just be focusing on gratitude for one day on Thanksgiving, but we should be constantly thankful, and it's flowing, that thankfulness is flowing from a heart that is constantly grateful for what God has done. So we're going to look at a story today in Luke chapter 17, that I hope encourages you, challenges you, and I hope that we leave this place today or, or log off of YouTube today a little more excited and a little more challenged and encouraged to be a grateful people. So if you have your Bible, I told you Luke 17, we're going to read some verses starting in verse 11. This is a story you may or may not have heard of, and we're going to read it and unpack it together today. Luke 17, starting in verse 11, here's what the Bible says. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Notice that's lepers, not leopards. We're not talking about cats here today, okay? Stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I don't know if you've read that story before. Maybe you've heard it quoted in, in, in a church setting. What I want to do for us and what we often do on, on really long passages of scripture like this at Hope Church is we just want to kind of do a running commentary. We're going to go verse by verse through this story of the 10 lepers, and we are going to pull applications out for our lives. But I want us to see specifically there's some characters in this story that we can learn from. So if you're ready to lean in, say, I'm ready. ready. Amen. On the way to Jerusalem, let's go to verse 11. 
On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus has been doing ministry. He's about in his third year catching up here to Luke 17 of ministry, and he is on his way to Jerusalem. If you know where this is headed, Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the final time where he will eventually be tried as a criminal, crucified for the sins of the world, and rise again. Jesus, his fame has been made known. People know who this guy is. Maybe he's got a little entourage walking in this village because now people are leaning in. People are looking, going, man, how can we catch this guy doing things that we don't like? For three years now, he's been doing ministry and Jesus comes to Samaria. Just so happens that over the last few months at Hope Church, we've studied each of the New Testament passages in the gospels, I should say, that talk about this region of Samaria. And just to catch you up, we don't have time to dive deep, but the Samaritans and the Jewish people were not friends. If you're a student of the Bible, you've been here for the last couple months, you know we have been talking. If you see Samaritan, that like perked the ears of a Jewish person. This could say, hey, Jesus, right now, you're on the wrong side of town, bro. Why are you over here in Samaria? Jesus is somewhere that Jewish people thought, maybe you should go a different way, Jesus. Get to Jerusalem a different way. You're on the wrong side of town. And then we get introduced to our first character, characters that I want to talk about today. Here's the first set of characters, the desperate 10. The desperate 10. Continuing on these verses, in verse 17, verse 12, here's what it says. And he entered the village. We don't know what village, it just, it's a village. And he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. I don't want to take anything for granted today, whether you have been reading the Bible for years or you are brand new to it. When you see this word leper, it is a very serious indictment on their cultural standing. Leprosy is the the disease that they had. And we praise God in in our kind of Western world, we don't deal with this anymore, but there are developing countries still in our world today that, that deal with leprosy. It's a terrible skin disease that's extremely contagious, extremely, honestly, ugly and and unforeseen. Like, you don't want to see it because it kind of takes over a person's whole body. And so how they would treat lepers, they didn't want to get it, they didn't want to look at it. They would literally cast them outside of the city, and they would say, hey, hey, stay over there. We don't want anything to do with you. These were outcasts in the society. In fact, they weren't allowed to participate in normal society. They were thrown to the side and you might as well just wait to die because we don't want anything to do for you and there's nothing we can do for you. These are lepers. In fact, when they walked into any sort of public sphere, they had to shout, unclean. Like imagine that. Like you walk into just like out in the square because you got to go to the, you got to go to the restroom and you got to do something else. You got to say, hey, unclean, a person you don't want around is coming. Just imagine what this would do for your like mental stability. Think about if we had to always announce the things that plagued our lives when we walked into a room. We walk outside of our house and we just have to like on display, on blast, tell everybody what's plaguing my life. I walk out of the room, anxiety, depression. We think it's kind of funny, but like imagine that. The shame, addiction. These people everywhere they went, unclean, unclean, leper coming your way. So Jesus walks into this town. 
And notice there's 10 of them together. Normally, lepers had to be completely separated from society, but they found community within each other. They knew, hey, nobody wants to be around us, but we can be around each other. We can't give it to each other. We know what each other look like. Like, we're going to have a little crew here of lepers hanging out outside the city. Jesus comes in, and they see Jesus, and they say, Jesus, master. Interesting that they call him master. Maybe they heard whispers about what this guy could do. Maybe they heard of his authority. Maybe they just saw him walking in and they just saw all the people. Fall. They said, man, this dude is important. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. This was a, a common plea. Like, can you do anything for us? We are desperate. We have already, we have already understood that we're going to have a sooner physical death. We've already experienced a social death, a cultural death. Can you do anything for us, Jesus? Next verse, when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went, as they went, they were cleansed. I want to camp out here for just a minute before we move on. Notice it says when he saw them. It doesn't say when he heard them yelling. It doesn't say when he Happened to notice them. Is there like a noise? You guys hear that? What? It says Jesus saw. It's a word that means he perceived. It's a word that, that literally means I know what you want from me before you even ask it. That's the word saw in this passage. So Jesus saw them. You gotta, you gotta, I tried to paint a picture of the lepers, but like nobody saw them. They were outcasts. Don't, like stop bothering us, lepers. Like, we don't want anything to do with you. You're, you're unsightly. I, don't, I can't even look at you. Like, it makes me feel weird. And Jesus saw them. Maybe you're here today. God just put this on my heart. Like, we, we have all these people come, or maybe you're logging in online, and we'll have a bunch of people here on Sunday. Like, maybe you're here today, and you're like, man, nobody sees me. You might be here today, and you're like, man, I, I walk through this life. And I feel like I am completely alone, completely unseen. I don't have friends. I don't have community. I want you to hear from the word of God today. He sees you. These people were worth nobody else's time. But they were worth Jesus' time. He saw them. So maybe today you just, that's all you need to hear. Like you came to church for that. You logged on online for that. Jesus sees you. And then he says, go show yourselves to the priests. To understand this, we have to understand what the priest's role is in that day. What did that mean? Well, the priests, they, they operated as kind of the religious rulers. And, and there would be times where people would maybe, maybe like, they would say, I, I think I'm healed of leprosy. And so the priests were kind of these health inspectors that would kind of inspect to see, are these people really healed? We want to make sure they're healed before we put them and assimilate them back into society. And so Jesus says, notice, he doesn't say, done. They say, have mercy on us. Jesus sees them, and his next words are, go show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourselves to the people that were, were, were supposed to make sure you were good. But don't miss they weren't good. Like they still had leprosy. And here's what I want us to land on today. I think this is really important for us as we start to plug this into our lives. The point of this is Jesus asked them to act on his word before it became 
their reality. Go show yourselves to the priest. You imagine those guys looking at each other like, does this dude know what he's talking about? Like, we're still, like, unclean, unclean. We still have leprosy. But here's the deal. They acted on Jesus' word before it was their reality. What if we, Hope Church, acted on his word before it became our reality? What if Jesus wanted us to believe in him and trust in him and press into his promises before we felt it in our lives? That's what we can learn from the desperate tent. We see these guys respond in obedience before they see it play out. What if we responded in obedience before we saw it play out? See, I'm a planner. Maybe you're a planner. Like, Jesus, could you give me like the whole X's and O's on everything before I take a step, (laughs) please? God has given us some promises in his word. I looked up this week. Did you know that by some researchers, there are over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible? 7,000 promises. I, I got my calculator out and I divided that by 365 days a year. That's 19 promises of God that we can press into every single day of our lives. Oh, church, what if we started pressing in and taking God at his word for the 19 things that he gives us every single day that we can press into and believe before we feel it? I can't give you all 7,000, but I think I want to give you one today, one promise. It's honestly one of my favorites, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Maybe today, like I said, you're feeling alone. Maybe today you are a Christian, but you're kind of coming here a little spiritually beat up. And you're like, man, I, I feel like I, I, I sin too much. I struggle too much. There's things in my life that I know God isn't pleased with. And so maybe I fell out of, of grace with God. So I want to give you one of the promises of 7,000, by the way, that we can just camp on and then we'll move on. Here's a great promise out of Romans chapter 8, one of my favorites. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future. If you, ha- if you haven't seen it, he's kind of painting a big picture here. Nor any powers, not, nor the height, nor depth. Here's my favorite part. Nor anything else in all creation. Here's where I love that. Your creation. You're a part of creation. What's that saying? You can't even separate yourself from the love of God. Like you can't do anything to get out of God's love for you. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Maybe today you need to hear that one promise. And here's the deal. There's 6,999 more. Praise God. What if we started like these 10 lepers, believing and trusting in what he said before we see it, acting on it before we see it? He says, Go show yourself to the priest. And they listen. And the next part, I wish it explained it a little more, but it doesn't. And as they went. I don't know what that looked like. Maybe some, they're on some Harry Potter stuff. Like they're just walking and all of a sudden like stuff just starts disappearing off their body. It just says, as they went. They are walking. Maybe they're, again, talking like, guys, this is super weird. People are probably looking at us, wondering why we're doing what we're not supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden they look down and they don't have leprosy anymore. As they went. Jesus healed them. Jesus healed them. So here's a recap. We got to talk about the desperate 10 and we're going to zero in on one. Here's the desperate 10 to recap. They recognized their need. They were lepers. They recognized Jesus's authority. Jesus master. They responded in obedience. He healed them. And here's what I want us to zero in on for the rest of our time. Nine of them missed out on all that Jesus had for them. 
nine of them, 90% of these lepers missed out on all that Jesus had for them. Why is that? What the scientific journals don't tell us is what we hear from the word of God. Here's the point. Gratitude is a path to the presence and power of God in our lives. I don't know if you're feeling that quite yet, but we're going to see from another character in the story, gratitude is a path to the presence and power of God in our lives. The desperate 10 were healed. Nine of them missed out on what God wanted to show them in a deeper way. So that's our first character. Here's our second character in the story, and you already know it, the grateful one. The grateful one. Verse 15 of this passage. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. For the remainder of our time together today, I want to zoom in on this grateful one, and I want us to learn some lessons from the grateful leper. Lessons from the grateful leper. Here's the first one. His gratitude was a response. Again, I don't want to muddy this up. Like, dude was walking. He realized he'd been healed. The rest of the guys, I don't know if they just started throwing a party and high-fiving and running around in circles, but this guy, it says he, he responded to what happened by turning back. Saw he was healed, and he recognized what Jesus had done in his life. Here's what I want us to see. When we recognize what Jesus has done in our lives, we will respond with gratitude. Man, how many days do I walk through life, and I don't recognize the goodness of God in my life and respond in gratitude? I, I get so used to God's blessing in my life that I start to take it for granted. And in fact, I get mad when those things don't happen. I, I don't know. I, not only do I not respond in gratitude, I take it for granted and I get grumpy when it doesn't always happen in my life. Maybe I'm the only one in the room or online. Like sometimes I don't just respond in gratitude. I, I take it for granted and then I get grumpy. Like this is a downward trajectory. One of the reasons I'm not grateful in my life as I, I take for granted what God has done. Here's, here's what I want us to see and just ask of ourselves as we enter in this season, not only Thanksgiving, but the holidays. What has God done in my life that I take for granted? I know it's a simple question, but as I think through my life, what has God done? This guy saw in person, God did something. His, his life changed and he responded with gratitude. What has God done in your life? As you think about it, think about the amazing things God has done. Maybe you don't have to think past the people that are sitting around you right now. What a blessing they are. And we should respond in gratitude. This is where I feel like perspective is powerful here. Because if I'm not careful perspective, the way I view things will change whether I take it for granted or I'm grateful. The way I choose to see things, my mindset and the way I see things in my life, if I'm not careful, I'll see things from a, from a point of taking it for granted or being grateful. Because again, maybe I'm the only one in the room today, but in my own flesh, I tend to not be grateful for what I have, but to focus on what I don't have. 
Like, God, I know that you thank you. Thank you for the things you've given me. But like, look at all this. It's a playground out here. I'm not grateful for what I have because I'm I'm too focused on what I don't have. And for me, this is where I have to be really careful uh, with social media. I love social media. I'm not a hater. I think it's a tool. I think it's like a hammer. Like a hammer is amazing until you use a hammer in the wrong way and then it's not amazing anymore. It's a tool. So for me, I have to watch, knowing that's in my heart, I have to watch myself on social media because I don't know if I'm the only one playing this game, but the comparison game is real on social media. I'm the only one, I guess. That's cool. I'll give you some examples from my own life. My wife and I, when we got married, we purchased a little house for our little family. We had two babies, this little cute family. Well, those two babies became four babies and two dogs, and we needed to get up out that house. It was too small. So praise God, earlier this summer, we were able to to purchase a new house. Man, and we got this house, and it felt way bigger, and it's amazing, and we start moving everything in, and we got great floors, and we painted the walls, and, and we stand back, and we're like, this is our dream home, babe. Yes. And then I get on social media. He got a bigger house than me. They got the floors. They got the floors we wanted. They, they got the kitchen. I can't believe they got that stove. I, I couldn't afford that stove. And I'm making fun, like, but this is what we do. You go on vacation, and it's the best vacation your family's ever had. But on the plane ride back, you're scrolling social media, and your best friend's on a better vacation. And you're like, they got the (laughs) all-inclusive. They got what we didn't, like, like, I can't be the only one. Like, I'm I'm not grateful for what I have because I'm scrolling and seeing the things I don't have, and I'm comparing myself. By the way, it's not real. Everything, everyone just puts their highlight reels on, on social media. Nobody's put, like, I love, there's been times in my family where we take a picture and then we look all happy, but like five seconds before that picture, everyone wanted to kill each other. <laughs> but like, that doesn't go on Facebook. Only the sweet family goes on Facebook. I know it's not real, but I still compare to it all the time. This is our reality. When I fix my eyes on others instead of Jesus and what he's done for me, I become ungrateful. I become, I start to take things for granted. uh, G.K. Chesterton, a great author, said it in a way I felt like was really, really pointed. He said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. Like he creates these two buckets, like there's no middle. (laughs) Like you're either being grateful for things or you're taking them for granted. The grateful leper had the right perspective of what happened to him, and he responded with gratitude. Not only did he respond with gratitude, his gratitude was immediate. His gratitude was immediate. We see right there that it says he he saw that he was healed, and he turned back to give praise. Again, I don't know what those other nine were doing. When we read the Bible, we always got to think, man, what would... What were the other nine doing? Again, maybe they were running to tell their family and friends. Maybe they were going to a restaurant for the first time in years. We can actually go, guys. We're healed. Maybe they did run to the priest. Hey, like, you can check, but like, I know I'm healed. Like, check me, and then I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm not a leper anymore. We don't know what they were doing, but their top priority was not giving gratitude to the person who healed them, only the grateful one immediately saw what happened to him, turned and gave praise, turned and was grateful. We're in a season right now as a, as a society where everyone's giving, everyone's giving thanks, everyone's grateful. Like tomorrow, if you're watching this on Sunday, Thursday, this happened, like 
we ain't ever prayed for meals in my life, but we're going to pray for this meal, right? Like we pray for Thanksgiving. We're going to say, God, here's what we're grateful for. Yesterday's meal, we forgot to pray for that one. This one, we're not going to pray on that one. Like for whatever reason, Thanksgiving, I was listening to a podcast today and it's like, for whatever reason, people just like, even if they don't believe in God, they're thanking who? They're just like thankful. Thank you. Who's you? In a society, we just, to, to, tomorrow, we, we focus on this. But what if as a church, what if as Christians, we were constantly, immediately giving praise and gratitude and thanks for the things that God has done in our lives? As, as a church, as Jesus followers, we want to be people who see what God has done in our lives and respond quickly and say, God, I understand this is not, this is, this is a gift of your grace. We talked about that last week. Like everything in my life is a gift of grace. And I want to be quick to say thank you. I want to be quick, how, no matter how big or how small, I want to be quick to praise and give grace and gratitude. I know I don't have to explain it to anybody. 2020, the year 2020, was like the wildest year in any of our lives. Not just COVID stuff, but like the political stuff, the social unrest. Like there was so much bad and, and chaos in 2020 that if I wasn't careful, I constantly just wanted to like scroll and find out what the latest person was saying or the thing was tweeted or whatever. And I'm trying to get in the mess of this year because naturally that's where I go. And I would submit to you naturally that's where you go. We're drawn to negative. We're drawn to the latest thing that everyone's talking about. And so last fall, I began to think through ways like, God, how do I set my mind and my heart on you and what you've done in my life rather than this world and what this world is doing to my life? How do, I, how do I zero in on what you have done? Before my mind attached to the negative things outside of my control, I want to I drop an anchor of gratitude. And so I began, by God's grace, a practice that I still do today. Basically, I wake up, I get a cup of coffee, and I get a journal, and I write the word gratitude. And I try, sometimes it's hard, to think of at least three things I'm grateful for. And before you think this is always some spiritual thing, like sometimes it's like, God, thank you. I am grateful for this cup of coffee because if I didn't have it, I'd be using this journal as a pillow. <laughs> like it's been a long week. Thank you for this cup of coffee. I'm grateful. I know it sounds small, but the science is true. Like when I set my heart first thing on what I am grateful for, God, I'm grateful for your grace in that conversation that I had yesterday. It starts to help your mind think through the things that God has done. God, I'm grateful that, that, I, that I right now, I'm looking over at, at my bed and, and there's this little kid in my bed and it's my son who just happens to slip in right now every single night. Maybe you have kids like this, like how did you get here? Every single night, you just slip into this bed. But here's the deal, God, I'm grateful because I know one day he's not gonna be in that bed. So I'm grateful that right now he is, and he is sound asleep, and I thank you for Blaine. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, God, for, for what you're doing in our church right now. Whatever comes to mind, like, I'm just saying, God, I'm grateful because I know as soon as I close that journal in my flesh, I'm going to attach my mind to all the negative things in my life. And I want to start the day by saying I'm grateful, and here's the deal. I've seen the science be true. Just something happens in your mind when you set your heart on what God has done in your life, starting the day with gratitude. I want, I want to drop anchor on your goodness, God, because the shifting seas of this culture are going to constantly be have me drifting from you. So he responded 
His gratitude was a response. His gratitude was immediate. Here's the third one before we land the plane today. His gratitude turned to worship. Turn back, praising God with a loud voice. I love this. If you didn't know, the New Testament was written in the, in the Greek language. And sometimes we say Greek words and you're like, I didn't really get that, but I trust you, Pastor. Other times, I think you can hear it. And this one, you can hear. Check this out. That word, those two words, loud voice. That word loud literally is this word in Greek, megas. And the word voice, phone. Megas, phone. What do you think of when you hear those two words? Megaphone. This is so cool. Remember this guy. He constantly had to, with a loud voice, I'm not really sure how this is going to go, so here we go. I, constantly with a loud voice, was walking around his culture, unclean, unclean. Here I come. I'm the leper. I'm unclean, everybody, with a loud voice. Megasphone. I'm constantly having to tell people with a loud voice. Here's the deal. Jesus heals him. This dude comes back into his village, and he starts praising God with a loud voice. Imagine the scene. This dude runs into the village. I'm clean. I'm clean. God healed me. I don't know what that looked like, but it was megasphone. This dude was praising God with a loud voice. And as I read that this week, I thought, man, can we agree this dude had some problems before Jesus healed him? And now he's got a really big praise. Here's the thought I had for me and for you that I want us to sit on for just a minute as we close. What gets the bigger megaphone in my life? Is it my problems or my praises? Like the people in your house, do they hear about your gratitude overflowing and your praise of what God has done? Or do they hear more about your problems? Because either way, we're using a megaphone. Either way, we are megasphone in our lives, in our cubicles, in our schools, in our families, in our small groups, in our churches. Our people hearing my megaphone of my problems or my praise. Which one is louder in my life? This guy comes back praising God, falls on his face, worships him. It's last week when, when we see who God is, it brings us low to the ground. This guy falls on his face at Jesus' feet and just begins to praise. We can learn some lessons from the grateful one. And here's the last character and he's the first character, the miraculous master. Jesus sees this guy and he says, we're not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said this, this is so huge. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Listen. Jesus healed 10 lepers. They did not have leprosy anymore. They were physically healed. But here's what this passage just told us. He heals one guy who came back to give him praise. That guy's faith in Jesus and his, and his saving work, he saves that man. You say, how do you know he, he's saved? Well, I'm glad you asked. When it says his faith has made you well. Again, another Greek word. That word soza, sozo, 
it means that he experienced salvation. You say, show me that. Well, I'll show you a verse of scripture that shows that that is salvation. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. We've all heard this verse if we've been in church. For the son of man, it's just a couple verses or chapters later, he's in Jerusalem. For the son of man has come to seek and to sozo, to make well, to save that which was lost. Here's what I want us to see. Jesus knew, the miraculous master knew when he healed those 10. He's omnipotent. He's sovereign. He is God. He knew that one would come back. And he still healed 10. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up because no matter who you are in this place or online today, you have experienced the grace of God in your lives, whether you recognize it or not. The Bible would call it, or theologians would call it, after reading the scriptures, I should say, common grace. I love this idea. What's common grace? That beautiful sunset. That amazing dinner that we eat for Thanksgiving. These are all common graces. What is this? Whether you realize it or not, you are a recipient of the good things God gives us as human beings. Those guys were healed. We have fun in our lives. We fall in love. We make money. We do amazing things that God says, these are gifts of my common grace. But one of the lepers came back. and He got a special grace. He got not only a physical healing, but a spiritual healing. This man was saved. And here's the call today that I hope you're leaning into. No matter who you are today, maybe you're experiencing God's grace in your life. And you want, I want you to be grateful for that. But more than being grateful for that, I want you to come to the giver of the gift. And I want you to be made well. I want you to hear the truth today. No matter who you are, as you experience the grace of God in your lives in different ways and forms, I want you to turn back to understand that, that you are a sinner separated from God because of your sin. I don't have to convince you that you mess up. We all know it. But Jesus saw us in our state and he came to this world. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in place of you and I. He paid the penalty for our sin. Three days later, he rose again to prove that he had succeeded in his mission of saving sinners and defeating death. And today, maybe on this Thanksgiving weekend, man, I hope you're grateful for your family. I hope you're grateful for the things in your life. But maybe today you would get what that one leper had when he came back and he fell at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, you are saved. You have been made well. You are whole. You're not just physically healed. You're spiritually healed. Maybe today we're going to stand and sing in just a minute like we always do. Maybe today you just want to come have a conversation with somebody about that. What does it look like to be made spiritually well in Jesus? For some of you today, that's your response. For others, maybe you're a Jesus follower here in the place. Maybe you need to press into these promises that we talked about. 7,000 promises in God's word. Maybe your response today is, man, I need to get myself in this word more. Not as an act of religious duty. But because I know I can press into what God, the God of heaven has for me. And so I'm going to set a timer on Monday morning or maybe tomorrow, whatever it might be. And I'm going to get in this word and I'm going to hear about some of those promises that my God has said to me. 
I'm going to spend some time dwelling on the promises of God. Maybe that's your response today. Maybe you heard that today. 7,000 promises, 19 a day. Man, what if we started living those and acting on those as Jesus followers? Maybe today, you know, man, I've taken for granted the good things that God has done in my life. I'm hearing that and I'm receiving that. And and maybe today your response is simple. I want to start being more grateful for what God has done in my life. Maybe I want to start with a journal. God, I'm grateful for this thing today. Maybe it's on your phone, something. I'm going to document. God, I want to take the first few moments of my day and I want to be grateful for what you've done in my life. I want to be a person who gives thanks out of a grateful heart for what you've done for me. Maybe today your response is understanding your problems get a bigger megaphone than your praises to a good God. And maybe today you need to seem to repent and say, God, make me a person more grateful. Make me a person more praise, praising of my good God. Make me a person that doesn't focus on the problems in my life but realizes the good in my life. And make me somebody who's a megaphone of your grace in my life. This is the lesson we learn from a grateful leper. There is a level of intimacy with God that you and I will not enjoy without a heart of gratitude. Let's pray together today. God, you're good. God, we say that. We want to believe that, Lord. We thank you for this amazing story. God, I thank you for the 10 lepers that you healed but God I thank you for the lesson we get today of the the one the one that came back the one that you not only healed physically but you healed spiritually God I pray right now as we respond would you continue to move and work and do whatever it is that you want in this place so maybe in just a moment when our pastors come up here you just need to come spend some time at the altar Just praising God for what he's done in your life. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Something going on in your life. You would just like somebody to to lay their hands on you and pray for you. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. You want to sit there in your seat and you want to just pray to God and say, God, here's all the things that come to mind right now that I'm just grateful for. I've taken these things for granted, Lord. Whatever it might be, we always want to leave room for God to lead us to respond. So whatever way you need to respond today, we encourage you to do that. We're here if you need to talk to somebody, pray with somebody. The altar's open. We're going to sing to our good God. And may we be people who are grateful.